Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde about USC football. Two weeks down of spring football, three more to go. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. It's an interactive show. We want to hear from you. You guys have sent in some questions about USC spring football. We'll do our best to answer them. And if you have any questions for us, send them to us. Uh, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can leave a voicemail at uh, 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. You can even go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and leave a voicemail there. Go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast if you'd love to. You could subscribe to it, leave us a rating, any kind of feedback there, tell your friends about it. We've been doing the Peristyle Podcast since 2008, so it's been going a long time. And we love talking about USC football. And we love talking to the coach, Harvey Hyde, who is on the line with us now. What is up, coach? How are you doing? Well, buddy, how you doing? Uh, it's great. Uh, had a great Easter. Hope everybody else had a happy Easter if you celebrated. If not, I hope you had a great weekend, no matter what you decided to do. And uh, I'm fired up, ready to go, because we had our first uh, practice in the Coliseum on Saturday. It was a beautiful day out there. And had a chance to watch the Trojans practice where you could see something. And uh, it was also refreshing not to go in there and hear all the loud music and everything else and be in the Coliseum without it being a concert (laughs) at the same time. But it was nice. It was a work atmosphere, comfortable. You could hear the coaches talking. You could hear what formations were called. You could hear some corrections on what was being made. It was a great... uh, setting and a beautiful day right it certainly was i want to jump into that but first i wanted to thank our sponsor southern california tickets so sctickets.com is where you go if you need tickets for anything We've got baseball starting up again here pretty soon uh, or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 that's sctickets.com they've been nice to us over the years and uh check them out if you need tickets for anything in socal or across the country and I just want to clean up a few things, too, for people to know. We've only been doing one show a week the past couple of weeks. I know Dan Weber's had a lot going on. I've had a bunch of other stuff going on. So I will try to make sure we do multiple podcasts this week. Uh, so I do apologize for that. But we've been getting the coach on every week and, you know, getting uh, getting you your updates on USC Spring Football. But we'll try to do a couple more this week. Just been a little, little nutty around here lately. But we'll uh, no excuses. We'll keep going forward and, and make sure we bring you more shows. And, um, Coach, before we jump into the questions, I wanted to get your thoughts because I got to see you at the Coliseum. We were kind of sitting up a little higher. I saw where you were checking things out, and it was a much better view of everything. We could, you know, we could see everything that was going on. And, and you mentioned the the lack of music. It is kind of nice to hear uh, coaches making corrections and and you know yelling out different things, and it wasn't drowned out by music so i think it, it kind of got a better feel not just by watching but be, be able to listen to what's going on at practice it was sort of a a unique opportunity really the first time we could do this all spring well ryan you, uh, you knew you were at a football practice 
before I, I made like a sarcastic comment a minute ago, uh, you know, I used to go on Saturdays to a concert at the Coliseum and then watch football practice at the same time. You know, coaching is teaching. In a classroom where you teach, you don't have a lot of distractions in a classroom. You want the, te- the students to focus on what you're doing. And I think that, uh, yes, it's nice to have music, but there's certain times for music. And right now on a football field, that isn't where you really are concentration, concentration on, you're concentrating on and accomplishing what your goals are and the atmosphere of the practice and, and what it's all about. It's a, it's a gladiator battlefield. It's, it's somewhere where you've got to go out and, and stress, uh, knowledge of the game as well as the techniques of the game and the prop rules of the proper rules of the game and for the first time at least at a scrimmage that I saw out at the Coliseum they had officials there call a very good scrimmage but I couldn't figure out I, I don't know why the officials left early I thought the scrimmage I thought the practice was about to end the officials walked off the field I saw them when I was leaving said hi to a couple of them and uh they went to the red zone scrimmage uh, at the end of practice where you heard me talk about that a couple of weeks ago when I said end practice with the goal line, end practice where it means winning and losing, uh, where there's a difference in what we did today to get who won, who got better, and so on. Well, they they had the scrimmage down there where it really makes a difference, and the officials were gone. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't understand. They marched off, then they went back to some individual drills for about 15, 20 minutes, came back, and then scrimmaged again so that was hard for me to understand uh but uh for the first time there were some things that go good there are some things that aren't so good there was a lot of things you looked at as far as well they haven't implemented yet that in the offense uh, uh the passing game i was watching the passing game that was a short passing game not really a deep passing game if you think back there wasn't many deep passes thrown uh, juju smith uh schuster did not practice and uh he was injured uh something i don't know what he had but i think that that helped the passing game to a point of spreading the ball around to the different receivers and not having to feel you had to throw the ball to him not that you shouldn't throw the ball to him i didn't see any type of improvement at all on the pass offense to the middle of the field and maybe they didn't want to do this so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt but the tight ends weren't utilized at all again in the passing game whatsoever and maybe they didn't want to do that okay so I'm not going to second guess them but I'm just looking back at things that I want to see from the past that things that that should be there there wasn't any kind of counter plays bootleg plays which is fine you don't have to do that there was one bootleg play there was no jet sweep there wasn't any type of counters to what they did, which they can put in later on. This is whether one-third of the way through or a little bit more of a spring practice. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, I thought, covered well. They, they got two big plays, and I thought Stevie Mitchell's play was the most exciting play of the game. And here's a guy that they want to put on the bench when the Dory Jackson comes into the game, he had the most exciting play of the game on that short screen, quick screen to the outside that he burst showed his speed and burst right into the end zone. Now, that's Stevie Mitchell. That's who I remember Stevie Mitchell as being. Uh, I wish they'd have had the restrooms open. I don't know if he had a chance to go to the restrooms or not, but they had just one open, and 
the one I stood in line, there was one person at a time. I wish they'd have thought of that. I thought I'd just throw that in in case you're at the Coliseum <laughs> and you're in the same line I was in. So, uh, and, and you know, there's so much, uh, so many notes I have down. I don't want to take the first segment when we open up things like the kickoff return. They spend so much time on the kickoff return. I hope they don't have to use it that often. Because if they use it that often, that means they're getting beat anyway. <laughs> but, the, you know, in the middle of practice, they worked on the kickoff return for, what, 15 minutes? Yeah, they did uh, quite a bit. And, and I'm saying on a Saturday in a scrimmage, individual drills on the kickoff return. And, Coach Helton, if you're listening, I, I apologize. But, but you know, I think that the kicking game is good and a very necessary part of your team to be successful. But to spend that much time on a Saturday, that you – that you do during the week. Saturday, I want to see you go out there. Hey, guys, Saturday's a game, okay? Saturday is a game. We're going to go out there and hit every single thing that we practiced all week. We're not going to fool around. We're going to go out. We're going to see who wants to play. We're going to get it on tape or film. We're going to get after it. And we're going to hit uh, like a game. We're going to play, play, play. We're going to see what's going to happen. We're going to see who can play when they're tired and get it done. And, and, Today, it reminded me of a little bit of a country club type of atmosphere rather than practicing on a on a, a more ups, uh, intense type of scrimmage, which which is what you're going to have on a Saturday afternoon in the Coliseum. That's basically my opening uh, comments, but there are positive things, too. The opening rant from Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, no, yeah. you you asked me to tell you the way <laughs> I see it, and I and I wasn't kidding about the restroom either. No, I I I, went, I was lucky enough. I went there, and yeah, it was just like one room open. I was the first one, or, or there was no one in front of me. So when I went, but um, yeah, it's uh that that was a little strange, but you know, I think overall it was nice to see, you know, the the Coliseum and and get the players out there, and and really like we talked about hearing what was going on on the field um i did see the uh the kickoff return i was a little concerned with that as well mostly because it was it looked like you had your first team kickoff return guys with the kind of scout team coverage guys and the co- the coverage guys were getting there and getting to the the return man before the 20 yard line every time so i thought that was the concern i had from that but yeah it was it was kind of an interesting way they they moved it along but i thought they moved it fairly quickly going from one uh, section to the next and uh you know g- you know getting some physicality in there i mean there was a, there was tackling to the ground so i i think there was a lot of positives you can take out of it too no i'm not i'm not just trying to point those out, out but me as a football coach i don't come off the field saying how good we were today i come off the field saying what weren't we good at and did we waste time on the football field or did we accomplish what we have to accomplish on this football field? What do I feel good about? What I feel bad about? And uh, and and I want to utilize every minute of the day in every way I can to get better and better and better. Uh, like uh, if if you're if you're if you're a center, okay, and they were having some problems with snapping, well, take your centers down with the quarterback, put a guy on his nose, uh, make him learn to snap the ball, make adjustments, and hit somebody at the same time so that he's hitting somebody live when he's having to snap the ball. If he's not on special teams or watching them run kickoff returns or or do different things around the field that can help you 
become a better football team in areas where you need to improve. Uh, these are just little type of things I look at. As a football coach, it's easy for everyone to point out the positive things. That's great. You've got to be able to fix the negative things in order to become a better football team. It's like termites in a house. You know, you got to get rid of all the little things or it becomes a big thing. So uh, that that's where I looked at it. And, and as far as Jordan Simmons, and, and let's point out some of these things, it's amazing how the offensive line has changed as far as the starters. Jordan Simmons uh, went the whole scrimmage as the starting right guard. That's the first time that he's really been on the field. He's been an offensive player, a defensive player, an injured player. And now it looks as though he's got that right guard position as far as the number of turns he took at that right guard and Chris Brown at the left guard. Uh, I think this new line coach, Callaway, I've talked to people who, and parents, uh, by chance, I didn't know they were parents of players. I'm just sitting and talking. They like him. He's tough, but they like him. He's fair. And he's not just assuming that players are players. And I like that. He's assuming that he's going to figure out who players are, not because of their reputation or because they started last year. They're going to have to prove that they deserve to play. And if you notice the number of rotations he had during the game, it was sort of surprising to me or practice during the game, during the scrimmage of how the tackles were rotating so much that I didn't know if he was doing that for conditioning to get the guys in shape as far as running off and on the field. Or whatever reason he was doing that, he had a plan. And he was on the sideline, coaching from the sideline, always standing in a position where he could watch his offensive lineman play. And I think that's very important, that everybody feels as though just because the guy was a starter last year, that means he's going to be a starter this year. And, of course, there's players out there that can't practice, Lobodon and Rogers, because they're injured. But I think now with a philosophy of you've got to show me what you are and who you are, I think other players will put out more than before because no one has the position made. I thought Hensley made some great blocks. I really did. I watched him take out uh, Gustin and a couple of guys really well, blocking to the outside. Uh, I saw some young guys in their practice or playing. Getting reps, and I think I really like that. Now, of course, I didn't go to the defensive side of the football, because I'll rant and rave here for the entire show, and you can <laughs> go to sleep, and then you won't have to say anything. But I'm going to stop now. You can ask me questions, and we can go continue with the podcast. Yeah, the, you mentioned Neil Calloway, Coach, and I thought that was uh, very interesting because we could hear what he was saying. And there, you mentioned the snap problems with uh, Khalil Rogers and Toa Lomadon both out. Uh, Nico Fala was getting first-team reps at center. And there was a couple of snaps, uh, you know, there was a, some problematic snaps, a couple that went over quarterback's head, and, and you could hear Callaway screaming, Nico, Nico. I mean, he was just, <laughs> you're killing us, man. Um, but, yeah, I, you get the feeling that the guy is uh, is really intense, but, you know, in a fair way. The fact that, and he gets those guys, the, the guys are in shape or they're getting more in shape because they're running quite a bit. So this isn't kind of a lazy, gonna. it's not going to be a lazy offensive line, at least from the way. We've seen a practice for the first six practices of spring ball. I agree. And uh, just like I mentioned, little things like, you know, maybe it's not Nico Fall's fault. Maybe he didn't have the opportunities of having somebody on his nose or somebody rushing or making calls. And, and again, a couple of those uh, snaps were because they were trying to hurry up the offense. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry They went into that hurry up offense thing. 
And uh, that's when a few of those snaps were bad because he maybe he wasn't. Uh, he was trying to make the call and trying to see who he was supposed to block and and uh, make the snap and all of that. So you know, a lot of times it's not always the player's fault. A lot of people think it's always the player's fault. It's not. You got to practice those type of things, and you've got to put somebody on his nose so he has to be able to hit somebody and snap the ball and react. So you know, a lot of times uh, you need to work on this. That's the things I'm talking about. Taking the things that you do well, okay, and get better at those too. But the things you need to get better at, though, and the things I used to come off a of practice field and say, "Man, we were bad at this," or "Man, we were bad at that," or the good things. Yeah, okay, I'll assume that. I'll put a steak on the grill. But the other, the other part of it, I'll put, uh, you know, I'll say, you know, I don't know if I'm going to eat this steak yet. I think we better, you know, work on improving in some areas. All right, let's uh, let's jump into some questions for you, Coach, and uh, we can get more of your thoughts on what was going on this past week. USC spring football, of course, the scrimmage Saturday uh, morning slash afternoon in the Coliseum. We'll do a voicemail question first. Here you go. Yeah, hi, this message is for Coach. Coach, this is Mike from New York, and uh, just a couple quick questions. I know you watch practices all the time, and I'd like your opinion on two things. This year's Trojan football team, what do you think about the coaching and the way they're interacting with the players? Are they more hands-on, more educating them you know, in a sort of intense way? And two, how's the team look this year compared to last year at the same time? Thanks a lot. Uh, great pro- podcast all the time. Look forward to hearing it. Well, thank you, Mike, from New York. Uh, I'll tell you, um, as far as the coaching, I think the coaching is uh, good. I think it's more hands-on. I think you have a little bit more experience with the coaching as far as guys that got – you always hear me use the term gray hair. Guys that are you know, more or less like drill sergeants, guys that don't give a damn what you think. And and I like that attitude. They're, they're going to do it their way, and this is the way we're going to win here if we're going to win. Uh, I think they're coaching up. I think the secondary has really improved. I, I, I don't think that the passing game, uh, you know, you talk about, well, it's early. But let me also give the offense a, a, a little say here. Uh, the defense is always ahead of the offense, okay, in spring and the fall, always. Because, you know, you have to think a lot on offense to play. Of course, you have to think on defense how to play, too. But it's more or less let it go and get after it, have fun, make a play. On offense, it's a little harder to make a play. So 11 guys have to make that play. One guy breaks down, and you have a busted play. But I think the secondary is playing well. They they broke down once, and I uh, forgot who it was. I forget who it was that caught that. Harris, I think, caught that touchdown pass. But I, but I think the secondary's improved. I think they don't break down. They don't make mistakes. They cover pretty well. Of course, they're not throwing the ball in the middle of the field, like I said. But they jump on routes. They're playing man, and they really jump on them. And uh, sometimes they have that successful pass down the middle when they put the tailback in motion and they draw the safety over there when they're playing man and hit the quick pass. And there I think Pentagrass is doing a good job. He's a hands-on guy. He's not a yell, screaming guy, but he's a guy that uh, is another type of staff sergeant type of guy. You know when he looks at you, he means business. And I think that's important on the defensive side of the ball. He doesn't care if you like him. He wants to make you a football player. And I like that part. Now, defensive line coach, you got Lindsey working with him now. He's got a lot of enthusiasm and so on. And he probably has one of the biggest jobs to do as far as developing the defensive line. And he's got a lot of enthusiasm. It's hard to evaluate that now. He's got a young group of guys. And when you 
go against each other. Is it that you're that good or are we that bad or are we just average? You don't know that until you play someone else. That's what you always wonder as a coach. Are we good? Are they bad? Or whatever. Or maybe we're just great. So uh, who knows? Uh, I think that Callaway, is, I told you what I thought of him earlier, I, so far, but I've only been able to see one practice. I've been all but two practices, but I've only been able to really evaluate these guys except for the linebackers in secondary. Because during the week, we can't even watch anything or see anything. It's on Saturday. Uh, it's hard for me to evaluate uh, Pentagrass, the quarterback coach, or T. Martin. T. Martin absolutely calls the plays. Clay Helton was observing the defensive side of the football, a lot of the scrimmage, which I thought, or no, during scrimmage he was, but I mean during their teaching technique periods. And uh, he lets people know that he is the head coach out there. So I think that's very important. But, you know, we're only through six days and really two practices that are the only practices that I've been able to tell anything. One, really, in the Coliseum. Now, we're not going to be back there for a couple of weeks again, too. In fact, Ryan, we don't go back there again until the scrimmage, do we? Uh, yeah, you know, I think that was the, the only, I believe so. I'll have to check the schedule. But I think that was the only one that's going to be in the Coliseum. I don't understand if they're trying to save the turf for the Rams or what. <laughs> but... uh but I would be back in the Coliseum on every Saturday. I think you get a better practice in the Coliseum. I think kids take it more serious as far as it being a scrimmage. This is where we play our games. This is where we have to perform. And always being on the practice field, there's a different attitude of when you say you're going into the Coliseum for a, a scrimmage. This is me. This is just me, okay? And uh, I used to want to put that setting. It's all part of a plan as far as making that airplane fly. You know, everybody's got to be, uh, this is a special day today. Was this where I'm going to make the team and not make the team? These two practices we worked on on Tuesdays and Thursdays, i got to demonstrate if I learned anything or not and get after it. I think you get a different feeling when, you, when you're in the Coliseum. I just do. And, uh, and you know, you, you, you evaluate it a little bit better, too, but you have better camera angles and, and the atmosphere there. That's the whole thing. So, you know, that's that's the way I feel there. All right. Uh, well, let's move on. We're going to do some more questions for you. Um, let's go to Chris. He says, based on your observations, has the emphasis on technique and physicality put on the players, uh, have they paid dividends so far? And secondly, do you think the 5-2 defense is good enough to win national championships? Thanks, uh, Ryan. Thanks, Coach Hyde. Fight on from Chris. Well, Chris, uh, I don't think they, I can tell yet if they become more physical yet. Um, you become physical by not talking about it. You, you become physical by being physical, practice physical, coach physical. And you don't talk about it. You just all of a sudden physical. You recruit kids that are physical. They know they're physical. You don't have to tell them how to be tough. You just are tough. And uh, I think when I spoke to a couple of parents by accident, I didn't know who they were, so I don't want to get in trouble by saying I'm seeking out parents. When they would ask me about their son or whatever, I'd say, you know, he needs to get more angry. He needs to learn how to bite somebody if he has to. He's got to win the battle. And I think he's a fine player. The comment was, you know, Coach, he's come up in a private school his whole life, and he's never really 
understood that type of setting. And I said, well, I think that's fabulous that he has parents that are able to do that for him, put him in a situation. But now you're a gladiator. Now you're on the field where you got to get after it, you know. And uh, you've got to, you can't uh, talk about being physical. You just all of a sudden are physical. And you do that by the way you teach, coach, and practice. You don't talk about it. Lined up, and all of a sudden, the survival, the ones that survive it are there. The ones that don't survive it, they'll tell you, I don't like this coach. And they tell you by their actions, not, they don't tell you verbally, hey, coach, I don't like this. You can see the ones that shy away or the ones that don't want to jump in there into the war or into the pit or into the one-on-ones or into the inside drills or ones that are pulling guys out because it's my turn. You went two ice. That's all you get. I mean, you start to see this happen. And uh, you see a little bit of intensity between the offense and defense or whatever as far as, hey, don't ever hold me again. If you ever hold me again on the play like that and I get beat, I'm going to deck your ass. And excuse me, excuse me for using that type of language. <laughs> but sometimes on the football field, you hear that type of language. And it's not to be threatening. It's just to say, hey, play the games within the rules, and everything's going to be cool. If you whip me, you whip me. But you're not going to hold me and whip me where the coach is going to say, hey, you got whipped on that play. So I, I just think that you don't talk about being physical. You just be physical. So it's hard for me to tell you, Chris, about are they any physical yet? We'll see if there are physical, and, and we'll go from there. And I forgot what the other part of that question was, and I apologize. Yeah, he wanted Chris wanted to know about the the five two scheme that Clancy Pendergast used. Is that good enough? Oh yeah, you could certainly you can win a national championship with that scheme. Teams do that all the time. Oklahoma does it all the time. Uh, not Oklahoma, Alabama does it. It's a good scheme. They've got great linebackers. They utilize their linebackers. They got great defensive fronts too. They can shift to five, a forty defense. They pound you to death, and uh, they got they allow their linebackers to make the play. You can win if you got players. Okay, players are the name of the game. Developing those players to be who they're supposed to be. The number one thing to do is you recruit them, you keep them, and you develop them. And uh, and when they become reach their potential, then you ask for more. And uh, you never know what that limit is where a young student athlete can perform to. It's the same thing in the classroom. It's the same thing you do in life. If you're a parent out there listening, hey, it's game day for you every day. If you don't win every day at your job, you lost for the day. Well, it's the same thing on the practice field, in the classroom, in anything you do in the walk of life. Uh, you can't be satisfied for being average. You got to be the best today to compete, because uh, you know today there's competition. You graduate from college, and what do you do? You've got so many college graduates, and what do they do unless they're willing to compete or work for nothing or do what they're going to do? You're not going to be successful. You got to find a way to get it done and to find a way to win, and you do that by competing. And I think you compete that night, and I think that's where athletes, not just football players, athletes could have an advantage over others because they have to compete. If they don't compete, and if they take that off the playing field and compete in life and business the same way, they'll be way successful more because they're not willing to be satisfied with a tie. They want to win. All right, let's go to Mark, Coach. She says, based on the information from instant analysis and Coach Helton's post-game or post-scrimmage comments, it appears that the offensive line 
is improved over last year. Is that accurate, or do we have a large drop-off in the defensive line play from last year? I get that we are attacking more, and we are a long way away from September, but with Bama and the Indians, I talk about Stanford, <laughs> being two of the first three games, are we in for a disappointing start to the season, or is it too early to make any conclusion? Well, yeah, it's too early in the season, uh, but you've got to be able to emphasize it, too. Early in the scrimmage on Saturday, they didn't have a lot of success at the run. Uh, Justin Davis made a, a great run on his own. Uh, uh, they pounded the ball, and they weren't having great success at it. But you got to stay after it. You can't stop. And then they threw the ball a couple of times, and they didn't have great success. In fact, I think the first four or five series of the scrimmage, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, or maybe more than that, they started the ball on about the 50-yard line going in, and they didn't get a score. Didn't get a score at all. The defense stopped them uh, every time. Later on in the scrimmage, as it went along, they did move the ball more. They got a couple of good runs off tackle, and uh, they kept pounding it. But you got to keep pounding it. You can't just stop. you got to keep going and going and going and say, just because we didn't make any yards, that doesn't mean we're not going to run the ball again. And eventually they started running the ball more, and when they went to the Red zone, they scored, I think, twice on runs in the red zone and uh, on runs. So you've got to continue to run and believe in the running game. You can't get away from the running game. And uh, it was, to me, I don't know how many plays they went. It didn't seem like they went that many plays for a scrimmage on a Saturday. Uh, you probably have the number. I would guess 70 plays. Well, how many plays do you think they ran, Ryan? I, you know, I don't. I don't know if we got that number from them, but yeah, it's probably in that range, maybe even a little less. It wasn't a, it wasn't a whole ton. No, it wasn't uh, what you call or what I might call a scrimmage on a Saturday. It was a scrimmage and a practice, which meant there was a lot of technique going on. There was a lot of rest in between. Uh, and uh, it wasn't like an all out like type of game atmosphere. Uh, where you might take a, like a halftime break for a minute, go over and review what you did wrong and right and so on and come back and do it again. They broke it down with kicking game and field goal kicking on the left side, right side, this and that, different things uh, during during the scrimmage itself. So uh, they'll develop that as they go along, and I'm really interested in, in, in folks that attend the scrimmage, and it's again 3 o'clock on April the 16th, how they run that. I want to know if it's going to be a game with the coaches in the press box. They haven't worked together with the actual play calling coming from the press box, the defense, the whole thing. Maybe not even scripting that. You know, they script the plays a lot so they know that what defense is being run against this play and so on. So it's easy for them to break down the films and, and know what play goes against this or that. They do a lot of that. But don't even tell each other what you're going to run. And make it a game. And uh, time it out, or make it plays, officials, and so on. The real, the real deal. And break it down somehow. One offense against uh, two defense, and one off two defense against one offense. Whatever. Break it all down and make it a real game where you compete uh, for a prize. And uh, if you know in Alabama, I think the winning team gets steaks, and the losing team gets hamburgers. Nice. At the aim of the uh, spring game. Uh, just make it something where it means something and the pride of the program 
and it's the real deal. Now, I'm not telling you Alabama does it right. I mean, you have your ways of doing it, too, but I just gave you an example there. And uh, and not make it a circus. And uh, over the last couple of years, and I've heard fans complaining about it, as I have, about it being a, I don't know what it is, a field goal kicking contest for kids, uh, big play time in the end zone. You know, instead of making it what you call, hey, I came here to see what the 2016 USC Trojan football program looks like. And I hope they plan on doing that. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, so, you know, Mark had mentioned Alabama and Stanford, and Tarek had a question specifically about that. He says, can USC have a very successful season if they lose to both Alabama and Stanford to start the season? Well, you don't want to lose against anybody, uh, but uh, that's what the schedule has for you, and you schedule it as far as the non-conference game. And it was all scheduled with the idea that we'd be off the sanctions then, and uh, we'd be wanting to play somebody like Alabama. And so you got your wish, which came true, and I think it's great. John McKay and Bear Bryant used to play each other. And I think you've got to play these type of teams to find out what type of football team you are. I used to always say when I was coaching, I know a lot of people out there say, well, coach, where did you coach? Where you did this, where you did that, and you're not NC. No, obviously I'm not. But on the level that I coach at at these different universities, that we're all the same at that level, and I want to find out different things. That, you know, you want to find out how good you are. I played teams in the Pac-12. I played teams in the Big Ten. And I played those a lot of those teams, too, not to find out just and receive a nice uh, guarantee, but I want to know how far were we for being at their level. Now, I beat a Pac-12 team, and I lost to a Big Ten team, but we were damn close back there at Madison. But I knew what we had to do to get better. And unless you play in Alabama, well, how do you know how far you are away from winning a national championship and how your kids react against that type of football team? Now, the thing you have to be careful of is you put so much into that game that the next week you come back and you're completely exhausted if you're not successful. And you're down, of course, but you've been talking about that game for a long time, maybe not talking about it, but preparing for it. And you feel like you you blew the whole season. So you got to be careful. you got to come back. you got to get up again for Utah State, play them, and they'll be ready to play the Trojans. And then you got your first Pac-12 opener against Stanford, who's won the damn conference three out of the last four years. And uh, there's no question about them thinking that they're good. They're good. So you've got another great challenge there. So uh, uh, you've got to be able to, to play Stanford uh, up there. And you got to think and believe that you're as good as Stanford up there. And you can't talk about it. you got to play them. You're not going to avoid it. So uh, if they do beat one of the two, I think that would be a successful start. And I'm not trying to say you don't want to beat them both, but I think if you could beat one of the two with the success of both those teams, one a national championship and the other one a Rose Bowl uh, winner, that you'd have a successful start, especially if you beat Utah State, which you're expected to beat. You're 2-1 and one going along the rest of the way. But remember, you got a tough conference, plus Notre Dame is no, you know, a team that They'll be up there playing for the national championship, too. So I think uh, if you could go 2-1 and one out of your first three, you don't want to be satisfied, but you're always satisfied at 3-0. and oh, But at least you played a couple of good football teams. Yeah, 
yeah, and I think overall, uh, Tarek, if it's, you know, if USC finishes 10 and 2 with those two lot, like he was saying, if you lose those two games, could it be successful? I think 10 and 2, losing to Stanford, Alabama, it's a successful season. I mean, you would have beaten Oregon, Notre Dame, UCLA. It's like, okay, that's, that's not bad, you know, and you, and you would argue that they lost early and then went on, you know, what would be, what, a, a nine game winning streak to end the season. Um, so yeah, I would, I would think you could have a successful season losing those two games. Um, but I don't think, you know, it's going to be easy. If you lose those two games, it's not going to be easy to beat Oregon and Notre Dame and UCLA and some of the other, you know, Washington. And there's a lot of tough teams on the schedule. The first four games are really tough. You know, you got to go to Utah on a Friday right after you play Stanford. So on the road at Stanford, short week on the road at Utah on a Friday night. And then the last four games are really tough too. So, I mean, there, there's, there's definitely some difficulties. So, but I think coach, I mean, if you're, you're talking only losing those two games, 10 and two. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty successful. No, I would agree with that. Uh, you could hope for a season like that with the record, with the schedule that you just read, went through, Ryan. I mean, uh, that is a successful season in your first year as a head football coach and a new quarterback and everything else, because it's a real challenge to play in Pac-12. It really is. And they have, a non-conference uh, schedule like that. Uh, you have Utah State, but how about Alabama and Notre Dame? Uh, I don't know. I, I would think the Trojan schedule has got to be one of the toughest in the country this year. I mean, I haven't seen the preseason magazines to talk about all that stuff, but they'll have that all ready for you uh, shortly. All right, we got one last one for you, Coach. We'll let you go. Uh, it said, I attended my first USC practice uh, on Tuesday, March 22nd. Uh, it was the first since Coach Carroll had open practices that he went to. I was wondering why after practice ended that the staff didn't allow the players to take pictures with the fans and sign autographs. The players were more than willing, but the lady in charge kept telling the players to move along. And this was outside on their way back to the locker room after they were dismissed and not on the practice field. Is there something that's for spring training or will it be a policy throughout the year? By the way, I noticed the terrible little uh, sardine can size area designated for the press, and now I know why you guys kind of sort of complain about it on the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Great job uh, uh, on the podcast and on the Peristyle, and fight on. Well, thank you very much for being on our side on this one. <laughs> if you could ever wanted to wear my credential, you could wear mine and watch practice, and I'll go down and stand where you are. <laughs> but uh, they won't allow that, and I'm fortunate enough to get a credential, which allows me a parking pass, and I appreciate that, Tim, for that. And uh, But uh, why do – I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Kids are kids, and they love that type of stuff. And I think it's part of making people feel good about their university and wanting to have pictures taken. And I think it's part of making the team feel good and everything else. I never used to stop my players from talking to somebody when practice is over with. You can be too paranoid. You know, people are paranoid about, oh, they're going to ask me a question that they that might embarrass them or embarrass our program. Hey, kids kids go everywhere. Kids are out of town. Easter break. They go here. They have their parents. They, they talk to a lot of people. And the fans come. I guess part of it, especially if you have family and little kids that want to go up and, and maybe a player picks them up and holds them and, they take pictures. First of all, it makes both of them feel good. Makes the player feel good that somebody cares about them and also the little kid or the family member 
or the Trojan booster, or whatever it might be. I, I don't know. I don't understand any of that. I've had a tough time understanding that. And, of course, it's the philosophy that USC has, and everyone respects it. Don't get me wrong. I respect what their rules and regulations are. Ryan does. I see Ryan. I know you do as parents or fans. Uh, when they tell you don't do it, we don't do it. But uh, we sometimes would like to be ads told us why. I don't go to press conferences, and, and you know, because I'm the type of person that would ask them. And I don't want to put myself in that position where I'm not polite or well, not polite, but where I'm out of, out of place. Uh, why do we stand in this area? And why do we stand in this area, and why do, why do you put us in the press box during the game? Well, what is that all about? Or the same with you. Why can't we intermingle with people? like I did Saturday. I didn't know who I was talking to. I was walking into the Coliseum, and these gentlemen come up to me, and they start talking to me, and I said, ah, nice to meet you. And so and he says, well, I'm so-and-so's father. And I said, really? I said, well, I'm going to get in trouble for this. And they said, well, I don't know if you are, Coach, but we came up to you. You didn't come to us. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm being honest. Now, I mean, it's... I don't know who I'm talking to, but what do you want me to do? When a guy walks up to me, turn my back and walk away from him, where he says, who's that jerk? That guy's a jerk. I mean, hey, I think part of it is your responsibility to answer questions and be a part of the program and share your athletes and your program with everybody. Now, a lot of you out there will disagree with me, but that's fine. But I know that kids love to be recognized, okay? Players do. They like people to know that they know who they are. And they want pictures with them. Makes them feel good to give you an autograph. Because I know inside they're saying, why do you want my autograph? He doesn't even know who I am. I don't even play. So the, it's a great feeling. You know, so there are a lot of rules. And uh, we don't, uh, I think a lot of it stems from some compliance stuff. And, uh, you know, we kind of bag on it a little bit. You know, different schools interpret the rules differently. USC's obviously been very strict since the, the sanctions hit about how they're interpreting rules. And they, they definitely take it to another level as far as they want. So at a practice, you know, they want separation of recruits have to be completely separate. If you're a high school coach, they don't want anyone looking at you. We're not allowed to take pictures of them when they're there. Um, any recruits that are there, like there's really, they're, they're very strict about that. And other schools, you can interview prospects while they're on campus. So it's just, that's like a very strict interpretation of a rule that I think USC is probably going a little overboard on. But they've also taken it with the parents and the play and, and the media and fans. They want that a complete separation there too. And I'm not exactly sure why. I think there was some instances where reporters were asking questions of, of players' parents. And I think they're trying to avoid that or something. So, but yeah, it gets to the point where you've, we've known some of these people for a long time and we're not allowed to talk to them while we're sitting at the practice together. So now it's completely separate. So I, not exactly the, the, you know, sure of all the reasons why, you know, behind all that. And then specifically for the autograph stuff, um, you know, we're, we're on the field uh, doing interviews and stuff. So I don't really get to see what happens, but it's the, I mean, the security personnel are definitely very, um, they're on, whatever rules are, are made they're they're out there enforcing them. And I think the, the security team is probably just trying to get the people from the practice field, the players from the practice field uh, into the locker room. So, I, yeah, I don't know why you would think it's a good time to sign autographs and stuff. 
but to answer the question, I think you're going to see the same sort of policies. Whatever you're seeing now will probably be the same sort of thing in the fall. And that, you know, that's something I'll ask about too when we go out to practice on Tuesday. Hey, are, is it, you know, is there a reason why um, we could ask the security people? They're, they are real nice to us. Is there a reason why fans can't get autographs and pictures and stuff afterwards? And, you know, I know they've talked before that people were selling autographs on eBay. Some people would bring like 50 footballs out there trying to get as many signatures as possible. It wasn't really like the, you know, the, the fan his you know, him and his kid, they're trying to get Juju Smith's autograph. It was more like they're trying to make money off it. So maybe they're preventing that. I'm not really sure. Uh, but there, there are definitely a lot of rules out there. If you've, if you've been to practice, you realize, don't do this, don't do that. There's there's a whole lot of rules, and the, the security team is there to enforce all those. Well, let, let me tell you, I'll answer the questions you're going to ask, ask the security guard. He's going to say, because I've been told to do that, okay? <laughs> True. So I'll just answer that, so don't, don't be asking him, okay? You'll waste <laughs> your time. And I think that people do abuse everything. I want you to know there are some people that abuse everything, Ryan. You see it happening all the time as far as pestering parents. Uh, parents are there to watch practice, and there's people that just want to talk to them, and they don't really want to talk to them uh, that long. They might want to say, oh, your son's a great player. Well, thank you very much, but not all of a sudden become their best friend, okay? Next thing, you want to have lunch with them. And then also, I think that there's people that do collect autographs or do things like that that are that ruin it for everybody. And I think that's got to be monitored. I really do. I agree with that 100%. So there are some reasons that you have certain rules. But I think you have to be realistic, too, and be able to make the fans be happy, uh, enjoy the practices, the media be happy, want to come to practice. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but the last two practices haven't even been reported in the Los Angeles Times. And, And don't get me wrong when I say this. I look to read the column. I look to see what their opinion is on the practice, or maybe I missed something. And Ryan, I don't know if you noticed. Was there an article in the Times on Sunday? You know, I, I don't get the paper to look at it, but no, there. Um, so I think no. they're in a bit of a transition now because Gary well, that's, Klein. That's, that's no excuse. No, no, that's but no excuse. Gary Klein is now covering the Rams, and yeah. I know that Lindsey Theory's been covering a little bit, and then they have a new reporter. And I don't know why, but I don't think they've had anyone at the pra- the last two practices. I don't think the Times has been out there. No, no. Yet, I would think that if I subscribe to the Los Angeles Times and I'm an SC fan, that I would want to open it up and say, how did practice go yesterday? And uh, not not be, say, cut short of that. Some people take the paper because of that. Not that there's uh, not other things that are important to cover. But when you have two great, you know, football programs in Southern California, UCLA and USC, and UCLA is not practicing now, so there isn't any coverage right now, basically, that you would have some type of reporting and coverage of that in the newspaper. And I'm not trying to put down Lindsey Terry. I think she's great. Or Gary Klein going up to be the Rams. That's fine. But right now the Rams aren't practicing, yet there's a uh, there's a practice uh, on the Rams or, or articles every day almost on the Rams the draft well let's talk about usc2 and the rams okay that's what what i'm saying now, remember usc didn't uh, pack up and go to st louis okay you <laughs> usc stayed at usc so let's make sure you keep things that way in your mind too people all right well great stuff coach and uh we'll see you out there at practice this week
little rainy today around Southern California. Hopefully it's not rain for practice tomorrow, but uh, we'll see you out there. And thanks for sharing all your insights from going on in USC spring practice. All right, buddy. Thank you very much for all you callers out there. Thank you very much. And uh, never feel uh, you bother me if you come up and want to say something to me, even if it's negative. I'll get broad shoulders. I'll take it, okay? All right. Well, thanks, Coach. And everyone else, thanks for tuning in again. We'll uh, try to do a couple more podcasts this week. Uh, I know we haven't done extra ones the last couple of weeks, so we'll try to get on that. And uh, here's a quick message from our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.